Kind of had like a Saved by the Bell thing going with that <laughs> video. That was good. <laughs> Does anyone remember uh, Parker Lewis Can't Lose? Does anyone remember that besides me? Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you how much of a nerd I am. I own the first season on DVD. Um, most of you don't even know what it is, so it doesn't matter. So, uh, okay, and one more. <laughs> I didn't even make it to the joke. I had one more important thing to ask you guys uh, until we start, before we start here. Uh, why don't seagulls fly over the bay? Because then they'd be bagels. I heard that one last night, and I'm like, that's a winner. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use, I'm going to use that at the 9 and 11. And um, it didn't work at the 9 very well either, so don't feel bad. <laughs> it went over poorly at both. I thought it was pretty good. Maybe it's just a certain echelon of intelligence one has to be at to get the seagull bagel joke. I don't... <laughs> All right, anyways... Um, <laughs> If you're new to the church, we're doing something a little bit uh, unorthodox today. Usually I'm just hilarious and have everyone in stitches, but uh, no, um, we typically go through whole books of the Bible. We've just, just gotten done with the Gospel of John, which took us six or seven months, however long it took. Um, next week, we'll be starting in Ruth, which is I'm extremely excited about. We're going to do five weeks of this. I'm going to start. It's going to be really neat. We're going to talk about the, the culture of the world during the time of the Judges, the book of Judges. And that was a very misogynistic, very violent, very hedonistic time, right, in the world. And then you move into the book of Ruth that is just this beautiful, romantic, tender book of the Bible, and it's just very, very neat. And so we're going to talk about that um, for a little over a month, and I'm really excited about that. Here's what's a little bit different about today. I'm going to take a chunk of the Scripture from Acts, which comes right after the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, book of Acts. And the book of Acts, this is where the church begins. This is the genesis of the church, the book of Acts. And we're going to teach this book of the Bible in a couple of months. So in the fall, we're going to go through this all, chapter by chapter, line by line, starting in the fall. But here's, here's my goal for today. I got three. The first one is I want to look at what the church is supposed to be doing according to the Bible. What does the church do? Well, let's go to the Bible and see what the church is supposed to do. That's my first goal of today, okay? My second goal of today is to show you some things that we are doing, some big things that are happening with the Experience Community Church, okay? And I, there's two big ones, and I hope to show you those two big things and just kind of like let you guys in, right? Just be completely transparent about everything that's going on. Uh, the third thing I hope to do is to challenge you guys. Talk about five things that all of us need to be doing to advance, not the experience, but to advance the kingdom of God. Uh, now, here's my precursor today, or, or, or my preface, if you will. Um, I'm going to get a little sassy today. So if it's your first time here, it, just ignore me when I get to that level, right? Just, well, this guy's just, he's having a day. And, um, but if this is your church home, guys, sometimes, man, sometimes the Lord is, is blunt with us, and, and sometimes we need to be blunt with each other and uh, just kind of address some things that maybe we need to work on, and, and we're going to do that a little bit today, okay? And then next week, though, I'll be right back to what I normally do. We'll be in the book of Ruth, and I won't bug you guys about this kind of stuff until our next vision service in September or whenever that is. So, um, but that's my goal today, okay? Those three things. So, you should have a notes handout in front of you. Um, the book of Acts, again, is right after Gospel of John, so the fifth book of the New Testament. 
If you have a smartphone, the YouVersion app, you can go right to it. All the notes are there and everything, so it's very, very convenient. I'm going to read just a little small snippet of Scripture. Now, where we are at this point in the Bible, in the story, Jesus has died. He's resurrected. He's kind of given the keys over to Peter, who's going to be the, the leader of the church as they start, and that's where we are in Acts, okay, in chapter 2. But let me pray. We'll jump into this, and I'll let you guys go uh, enjoy your Sunday afternoon, okay? Father, God, I love you. I love this church. Lord, I love this church. This is an exceptional church. These are exceptional people. Um, it's a unique and eclectic and just diverse group of people, and I thank you so much for it, God. We're so honored and we're so blessed. God, I pray that you open up our ears and our eyes today. I pray, Lord, that you make me gracious in my speech, and Lord, let me talk the way you would talk and teach the way that you would teach, Lord, to the best of my abilities, God. Father, we pray for every church in our community because, God, it's not about the experience. It's about your kingdom, and we pray that your kingdom advances in Murfreesboro and beyond, God. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Be with me today, Lord, in Jesus' name, and be with everyone in this room today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, here we go. We're in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 42. Very, very short. This is just talking about the church, okay? It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. Every day the Lord added to them those who are being saved. So a little bit different how I normally do it. I'm just going to pull out each one of these phrases, okay? We're just going to briefly talk about each one of them. The first thing that the church is known to do, according to the Bible, is it is devoted to the teachings. What are the teachings? True Christians are devoted to the Word of God. Now, in this time, the New Testament hadn't been written. They were devoted to the teachings of the Old Testament, right? Because the New Testament was just in its formation. It was being written by these men who contributed like the book of Acts, uh, Luke wrote this. Anyways, so they were devoted to the teachings of the Old Testament and the teachings that the disciples and apostles had received from Christ. Now, how do we do that? We do that in our weekly gatherings like this, right? We talk about the Word of God, like we'll go through the book of Ruth soon, but it shouldn't just be, the only time you get the Bible shouldn't be from me. You should get it in small groups, and you should be devoted to it individually. The Bible needs to be a part of our life. That doesn't mean we have to read the entire thing in a week or know it all by heart, but reading the Bible on a continuous and, and consistent basis is a part of what it means to be a Christian. This is something that is very fundamental about what we do. Okay, so they were devoted to the Word, and it says that they were also devoted to each other fellowship with other Christians. This is how we fulfill Christ's command to love one another. And this doesn't mean that we all have to get together and talk about deep theological things all the time, right? It means that we get together and go bowling or go out to eat or have each other, you know, have people over to our house or just go hang out with each other. Jesus says, be there for each other, live life for each other. In fact, Jesus says, this is how people will know that you're my followers, that you treat each other well, that you love each other well that you're kind, that you're communal, that you spend time in fellowship. 
We talked about this last week. Like, God is communal. We're made in God's image. Therefore, we're to be community-minded, communal with each other, have fellowship with each other. It also says that they broke bread together. Now, this means two things. On a very informal side, it means that they literally had food together, right? They got together, they ate dinner, they had coffee, they talked. You know, and, and some of the most important conversations that Jesus has with his followers was over food, that they would sit and talk. We just read one last week, right? They're having breakfast with each other, and Jesus is talking to Peter and restores Peter over breakfast. And so this is very important. Not just eating with each other, though. And guys, here's where I'm going to start stepping on your toes a little bit. It is important for us to take communion together. Now listen, I know you're busy, and I know that not everyone needs to take communion because if we are not repentant, if we have not asked Christ to forgive us, we have no business taking the sacrament of communion. Here's what it is though, there are two sacraments, two important commands that are given to us in the New Testament, baptism and taking communion. And so listen, this is where I'm gonna get a little mean. I know you're in a hurry, I know you got things to do, but I don't care what is outside of these walls. You can make it 15 minutes later so you can commemorate and celebrate the fact that God came down to earth and died for us. I know more people, listen, I know some people find communion is a time to beat everyone to Shoney's or Ryan's or wherever you guys are eating lunch, right? That's a joke too. Ryan's doesn't exist anymore and Shoney's just shouldn't exist anymore, right? So... That's the joke there. But listen, I know you guys have things to do, but this is our time to remember the body and blood of Jesus, guys. So this is something that is very, very serious. It's very sacred. It should be something that is honored and revered. Guys, the rest of the world can wait when it comes to our communion time with Christ. It can wait. We can be a little bit later to those things. I'll move on now. We're also to be devoted to prayer. Now, if we're just going to be honest with each other, and I'll be very honest with you, this is where most of us drop the ball, including, including me. I get here at 7.30 uh, every weekday morning except for Friday. I take Friday off, but I get here Monday through Thursday at 7.30, uh, quite a bit earlier than, than most anyone else gets to the church. My whole point of that is I get here so I can pray, right? Have a half hour to read the Word of God a little bit and just, just pray a little bit before I start my day. Now, I'll be honest with you. Just like you guys, I get backed up with work, Things happen. I got people to call, emails to answer, lessons to write. And so I'm like, oh God, I'll pray later today and then I never get to it, right? So this happens, we do this. Here's the thing though. If the church cannot get prayer down, we have failed at the most fundamental level. We have failed at the most fundamental level. Listen, Jesus didn't tell us to make a house of worship. He didn't tell us to make a house of good teaching. He told us to build a house of prayer. That's what he told us to do. So we do that together corporately, we need to be praying in our small groups and with other people, and we need to make individual prayer time a huge priority, guys. This is what the church does. Now, our church does a phenomenal job at this, that we are to be devoted to community service. Yesterday, we had over 100 people show up, mow yards, mulch, pick up trash. I got to pick up trash with, uh, I took my, my little one out. She's about to be five here pretty soon, and they didn't have any gloves for us, right? They had gloves, we just, we didn't get gloves. They probably had gloves, we just didn't get gloves. So we're walking around picking up trash, and I'm telling Vi, I'm like, do not let your mother know that we're doing this without gloves, right? And right after I said that, Vi's literally in a ditch, like picking up cigarette butts, right, with, with no gloves. <laughs> And right as she's doing it, Spencer runs up with his camera and he's just taking all these pictures and I'm like, it's gonna be out there somewhere. <laughs> Here's the thing though, guys. 
We are to be serving our community through volunteering, through mission work, and through our finances. There should not be any nonprofits in Rutherford County that should be out there just begging for money all the time when all the churches in our county have all the resources that they do. There's a problem with that. The Pregnancy Support Center, Portico, shouldn't be out begging churches for money. They should be reaching out to young women who have unwanted pregnancies. That's why they're there but they spend so much time just trying to get the funds that they can to go out and do the things that God has called them to do. Let me tell you a story that I probably shouldn't tell. <laughs> a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, I was at a meeting to where the Pregnancy Support Center had this great idea to bring in a mobile ultrasound unit, which we financially support now. But the idea was this, it cost $250,000 to buy this mobile ultrasound unit, and, and I'm listening to them pitch this to, to a bunch of churches in town, and this is why I shouldn't tell this, but they said if we, if we buy this, we can go into different neighborhoods, we can offer these women free ultrasounds, and the statistics tell us that if people come in eight out of 10 times, if they see the baby, they will choose not to get an abortion. Right after I heard that, I'm like, we're down. It costs 250,000, we're one of the big five churches in the county, we'll, we'll give $50,000 today. Raise my hand, I said, we'll do it, we're in. We'll, we'll do a fifth of it. You know how many other churchers volunteered that day? Zero. Zero. You know what bothers me about that? When we ask for money and we give to nonprofits, it's not just souls on the line in the distance. There are literally children who've been aborted because it took three years for, for the finances to finally be built up for that mobile ultrasound unit. That's a problem, guys. When we're building the buildings we have and when we have all the stuff we have, but we're not going out, when we're talking about abortion, but we're not putting our checkbooks on the line for it, there's a problem. There's a problem with us. None of these nonprofits, and we, we sponsor so many good, good nonprofits. Listen, there is no Christianity without community service. You cannot divorce the two. If the church is not serving the city, and if we are not getting into the dirtiest, nastiest parts of humanity, we are not being what Christ told us to be. It says that the church was also dedicated to the miraculous. Now listen, this doesn't mean that we become people that look for signs. Jesus said it's a perverse generation that's always looking for a sign. That's not what we're trying to do. But we need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. We need to be active. We need to be devoted to the operation of the Holy Spirit, to the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, to the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, that we need to be part of that. And we need to pray that those things are active in our community. God gives us these gifts and he gives us these fruit for a reason, to honor him and to advance his kingdom. And we need to be in tune with that. We also need to provide for others' needs. Christians are called to make financial sacrifices in order for others to have the basic necessities. And again, here's where I'm gonna get a little sassy with you guys. We have first world problems, right? We think a problem is having an iPhone 6 versus an iPhone 7. And there are people on the other side of the world that aren't gonna eat today. And there's enough money in Christian North America to where no child should ever have to go to bed hungry. But we need a $1,000 phone. We need a $200 a month cable bill. Listen, guys, 25% of our church is financially consistent in giving to the church. That is five times more than, than most churches average. Most churches average five to 12% of their congregation gives. We're more than double. We're five times what the average church gives. You know what that's like saying though? It's like saying I failed a test less than you did. We have a quarter of our church that gives. 
and we give away $400,000 a year, what could we do if 50% gives? We could almost reach a million dollars or 75%, $1.5 million. Look what we could do in the community if we were more financially supportive, if we would provide for others' needs. We're also supposed to come to church. I know this boggles the minds of Christians, but we're to have faithful worship attendance. Corporate worship has always been a staple of Christianity. And whenever I meet people who are just like, man, I love Jesus, but I don't don't do the whole church thing. Well, then you only love half of Jesus because he's married to the church. It's his bride. We are a reflection of him. Listen, Jesus is the musician, but the church is his instrument. This is what he chooses to use to change the world. The church is extremely important. We need to gather together. We need to pray together. We need to read the word of God together, worship together, take communion together. This is vital. There's almost always a parallel between people's lives falling apart and their church attendance. Let me let you in on an insider secret that you don't even know we we did. I'm letting the cat out of the bag. The reason why our announcements are so repetitious, if we do an event, we announce it four to six weeks before the event. Do you guys wanna know why? because the average Christian goes to church once a month. So we announce the same event four times in the hopes that you will hear it one time. One time. That's a problem, guys. Church has to be a priority for you, for your family, for your marriage, for our city, for our spiritual well-being. Not just that, though. Also, they were devoted to small groups. It said, in the homes, As the church grows, we have to work harder and harder to be in healthy community. This church does a pretty good job of that too. We have about half the church that is plugged into some kind of smaller group, and that's actually really, really good. But we need accountability. We need friendships. We need someone to lean on. Is this easy and convenient? No, it is not. My wife and I, we lead a small group, and sometimes it's extremely inconvenient, and it takes a lot of time and a lot of work, and you get into the messy parts of relationships, but it's worth it. It's worth it, that accountability and those friendships that are made, we need that. Christians were devoted to hospitality. This is simply being inviting, inviting into the church, inviting into our homes, inviting into our lives, that we are to be kind, to be gentle, to be caring, to be honest. That's that's, that's something that Christians should be known for, just being loving people. And of course, last but not least, we are to share the gospel. We are to be witnesses to the world around us. We are to share the gospel with people who don't know Christ. This is the most important thing that Christians should do, that the church does. First and foremost, the Bible says, Christ came to save sinners. This is the ultimate goal of the church, right? That we go out, even even what some of the apostles would say, hey, silver and gold have I none, but this is what I have, right? I have the truth for you. I have Jesus Christ for you. And that's what we truly need to offer other people, okay? So listen, if you're in here and you're not a Christian, we're not always these things, but this is what we should be. This is what the church should look like according to the word of God, okay? So that was my first goal. I just wanted to do a recap what we should look like. Now let me show you a couple of things that are going on with the experience. The first one is this. This is pretty exciting, and I'll see if I can explain all this well. So we've been talking about doing a church in Cannon County for for years now, and in the last year, we've really been focused on it. We set a time, we're gonna do this, we're gonna get Josh the heck out of this church and get him in another county and all that stuff, right? (laughs) I say that, and I'm like really sad to see him go, actually. But anyways, so we started really, really looking in Woodbury. 
started looking at buildings. We couldn't find it. There's just not as much real estate there as there is here. And, and um, went looking for a lot of different places, couldn't find anything. And so what we had resorted to do was kind of do a mobile church. We're just going to do a church in the senior center or the school or something like that. And they were, that, that would have been fine. But what happened was there was a building that opened up for us. Um, this is Cannon Community Church. If you were pulling into Woodbury, the first building you see is the Center for the Arts. The second building you see is this one right off the main drag, right? As you're pulling in, uh, the drive-in's kind of on your right, and I think there's a Walgreens right there. I think it's a Walgreens or Dollar General. One of those is right there, and then this building is right on the left, okay? Great building. Used to be a funeral home. It has a real cool, like, creepy elevator in it, which we plan on using. Um, (laughs) And so anyways, really neat building, 10,000 square foot. It's got a really nice uh, uh, chapel, uh, sanctuary in it. In fact, our pews for our chapel came from this church. So we've had kind of a relationship with this church uh, for a couple years now. Um, the, the main sanctuary seats about, you can sit about, about 150 in there. We've got a great children's area, this huge downstairs. It's just fantastic, a big kitchen. There's an apartment in there. And it's just a really, really neat place. Um, but here's how this kind of fell in our lap, which of course was all God. We never went looking for this, but Cannon Community Church got a hold of us and they said, hey, uh, Pastor Joe, who, who we knew who he was, um, his wife had just passed away and the church had been struggling for, for several years. It, it had reached about 100 people and then it had, it had kind of slowly gone down as, as the pastor's wife was, was dealing with cancer and all this stuff. And so it has about 40 people in it. And they got a hold of us and they said, would you guys consider basically absorbing us, like merging with us, taking our church? And Josh and I are like, well, we never thought about that. We've never done that. But, you know, let us, let us pray about it and let us, let us see. So we met with their, their deacons and um, we talked about it a lot. And they had a lot of questions. And we kind of told them what we would do and we would come in. And it would, it would greatly change what that church looks like. And, and uh, one of the things is <laughs> Josh and I looked at him and we said, now, you guys know there's going to be a lot of tattoos in here very soon. Is that, <laughs> is that okay with you guys? <laughs> And they're like, oh, sure. And I'm like, no, 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 a lot of tattoos, <laughs> right? <laughs> You're going to see some strange people in these doors very, very soon. And, and they were okay with strange people. So we knew, you know, God was up to something. So, um, so here's what's going to happen. We, we have already, they voted in Josh to, to become the pastor there already. They uh, unanimously voted him in. And so Josh has been there for the last five weeks. That's why you guys haven't seen him around here. He's teaching there right now. He's out there teaching. Um, in August, that will officially become the Experience Community Cannon County. He's out there uh, implementing children's programs already and hospitality programs, and it's going to make it start looking and feeling uh, like this, okay? So they have three and a half acres. It's a very, very nice property. It's in a really good spot, very, very uh, good building. They owe $155,000 on that building. Um, financially, they're actually not doing bad. They bring in about $5,000 a month and their bills are about $2,500 a month. So that's actually really good. And so uh, we're going to start paying off that mortgage, right? And taking what they have and doubling up on that and getting rid of that as soon as we can. And the only reason why we didn't write a check for that, I'll tell you about here in a minute, um, because we have to write another big check for another big thing that I'm going to tell you about here in a second. But we plan on paying that off in a couple of years. So we're absorbing 40 people. And we're probably going to send about 50 Brookers away. So in August, that church will open up kind of officially uh, with roughly about 100 people. Now, here's the thing. We had a lot of interest about people going there. Um, Here's what we're asking people to do because it's kind of changed a little bit. If you're not from Cannon County, we'd rather you stay here. 
Uh, if you're in Cannon County or in that general area, we would love for you to go out there and support that. That would be great. But here's what we're afraid of. We just don't want a bunch of Rutherford County people to go fill up that church because it defeats the purpose. We won't have the room then to minister to the people in Cannon County. So that's kind of what we're asking people to do. So that's what's going on out there, right? Josh is already gone. We got rid of him, right? So he's, he's out. So uh, now again, I'm really sad about it. So anyways, so that's what's going on in Cannon County. Now let's talk about what's going on here. I want to show you something. We are going to buy this building for $5 million. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you're clapping because that number has kept me up at night and I made it really bold and yellow because I want it to also keep you up at night. So um, uh, <laughs> here's our plan. We got together and I, I kind of uh, assembled my, my super team, right? Like my, my Avengers of finance, put them all together and uh, we had some phenomenal people who work in real estate and building homes and people who work for Dave Ramsey and all this. And we put them all together and we said, what is the best way to purchase this building but still be a good steward with the money that God has trusted us with? And what we came up with is this, um, to buy the building and to do our best to pay it off in five years. Now, that is very aggressive. That's a lot. That's a million dollars a year for five years. That's half of what we bring in right now almost. So that's what we aim to do. But here's why we aim to do that. If we can pay off this building in five years, get this, we will be completely rent and mortgage free, which frees up. Right now in rent, we pay almost $500,000 a year in rent. <laughs> it's a pretty nice apartment, right? <laughs> so anyways, imagine if we have no mortgage and no rent, we would have an extra half a million dollars a year to pour into our city. If we can be aggressive and pay this off, think of the churches we can start. Think of the ministries we can do. Think of the homeless we can feed. Think of the, the different things we can do for the community and all the stuff we can do for children and all the different things we can do if we are completely debt-free, own this building. Be amazing. So I have to write a check in the next month or two for $250,000 for our down payment on this place. Right now, we currently have about $550,000 in the bank. We've never had a, a stitch of debt. We've never had any debt, which is fantastic. We've always worked just paying things off in cash. Um, but I'll, I'll just be honest with you, it's pretty scary to write almost half of what you have in the bank away for a down payment. It's very, very scary. And so here's the thing, and this is not a good thing. We bring in about $45,000 a week here, which is higher than what we had anticipated. So we were kind of doing better than what we assumed we were gonna do this year. But here's what we've seen. From January to, to right now, this church has grown 700 people in four months. I mean, that's just unheard of. And I don't mean that arrogantly, that churches don't do that. But we've grown 700 people in the first four months of this year. That's fantastic. You know what else we've noticed, though, is giving is going down. So what that means is this. When you add 200 kids to our nursery and to our Echo and Eon area, that's a lot of cleaning supplies. That's a lot of snacks. It's a lot of curriculum. It's a lot of money. And when there is more need and less finances, what that means, guys, is there are less people contributing and more people consuming. And that is not the kind of church we need to be. That is not the kind of church we need to be. So I just want to throw that out there. That's what's going on right now in our church. Now, when it comes to this building, I, I don't think, I never want to tell God what we're going to do. I don't think we're ever going to leave this building. This will be our home indefinitely in Murfreesboro. 
What I think will happen here, and again, it may change, is because of our location, we're close to Journey Home, we're close to these neighborhoods, we're, we're as close as we can be to the city center without like literally being in the middle of the square, which is great. The church should be in the center of the community, not on the outskirts of the community, but we found ourselves in a really good spot and we don't wanna leave this spot. I believe the bread company is gonna leave this year, so that'll free up another 10,000 square foot, some more parking. So we should be good to grow this church to 4,500 or 5,000 people before we're out of room. Okay, that's a great thing. Now, what we hope to do is continue to grow this church, but I hope we reach a cap one day. Now, that sounds weird. The reason why I hope we reach a cap is like what we did in Cannon County, I would like to do that in Rockvale and in Christiana and maybe Eagleville, and I say Eagleville, not Eagleville or however you guys cram it together. I actually say Eagleville. But uh, we plan to do it out there. We plan to go out in kind of these neighboring rural areas. And if you live out in the Rockvale area, hopefully we'll have an experienced community. Rockvale, we'll have something out in those areas um, to where it'll be more to your community. But we, we hope this is the last building uh, we have to get, okay? Now, here's what we will not do. God has told me a couple of years ago that this church at the bare minimum is to give 20% of its, of its uh, annual budget to benevolence, to community service, to missions work, to counseling, to basically giving it away. Um, we will not compromise our vision and our, our, our dedication to this community for the sake of a brick and mortar building. Uh, we will not do it. So we will still always give 20% away. A lot of people came to me and they said, hey, no church gives 20% away. Why don't you cut it back to 10 and put that money towards a building? And I said, no, we're not gonna do that. We're just not gonna do it. But if we can buy this building in five years, we can do what we have always done on a level that we've never been able to do it before. We can do community service on a level that is just astronomical if we will just uh, be aggressive and pay this, this building off. So here's how I want to end it, guys. None of this. Ultimately, it's not about the experience. Ultimately, this is about the kingdom of God. We're here to advance the message of Christ. And there's five ways that all of us can do this, okay? The first one is this, guys. I want to ask you to just be here. Not for my sake. Not so we can brag about the numbers, guys. But listen, the easiest way that you can do the most healthy thing for your family is simply be at church. And when people come to me and they're like, Corey, I've been missing because you know, I've, been, I've been doing this or I've been living this way. I don't care. I don't care what you're doing throughout the week. I don't care how far you've strayed from God. Be at church. Be around these people. We are an accepting, great group of people. We're not gonna make you feel bad. We're not gonna condemn you. We're not gonna push you down. Be here. I don't care what you've done. Be at church. You need to be at church. And if you don't like this church, that's fine with me. Find one that you will go to on a consistent basis. I'm, I'm, I guess it's just big church problems. I've never pastored a church of 2,700 people before, but I'm, I'm more and more bothered by how flippantly people take church attendance. I'm very bothered by that. Well, we come every couple of weeks. We come every month. We come every six weeks. It's not enough. You need to be here. You need to be at church. Not just be at church. Take advantage of what we offer here. We can grow in our faith. I know many of you, and guys, I'll be honest with you, I've been very proud of how many people have gone to the following Jesus class and the foundations and the discipleship class. We've had a lot of people go through that, but we need more and more people. And if you've been to any of those classes, you can tell me it is a fantastic 
educational system we have here. Go through and mature in your faith. Learn apologetics. Learn how to pray. Learn how to study the Bible. Learn the basics of Christianity. Go to celebrate recovery. Go to the discipleship classes. Take advantage of these things. They're all free. So you can go and mature in your faith and grow in your faith. And it's just, it's free. We do most of them on like Sunday afternoons when it's convenient. Get involved in these things. Take advantage of these things. Also, find community. You have to find some kind of small group. We have groups that meet in homes. We have groups that meet on campus. We have groups for men, women, singles, students, veterans, almost any kind of person you can think of, we have some kind of small group for you. Please get involved in those. I know it's time-consuming. I know it's not always convenient and easy, but it is so important. It is so important. Also, serve. This is what we were designed to do. Why do we serve? Because Jesus came down and washed our feet. He has served us, and he tells us to go and serve others the way he has served us. We need to serve our community. And here's the last one, guys. And here's the the, the preacher talking about money, right? Here's the thing. I have vowed a thousand times since this church has began, I'm never gonna make you sign a pledge card. I'm never gonna like, make you sign a commitment card. I'm never gonna follow up with you if you give to this church or not. If you ever receive a pledge card that has the experienced community written on it, you can punch me in the back of the head, right? That is not going to happen. I'm just not going to do it. Here's the thing. I don't even know who gives at this church. The only people that I know financially contribute to the church are the people I employ and the elders of this church. That is it. Beyond that, I have no idea, don't want to know who gives at this church. But here's the thing about tithing and offering. Here's the thing. If we're going to be the light of this county and surrounding areas, we have to make some financial sacrifices. And I don't want you to do that out of just just an obligation or a fear or feeling condemned or bad. I want to tell you this. If you will honor God with your finances, God will honor you back. He will take care of you. Whenever people come into my office and their life is a financial wreck, first question, are you being faithful to the Lord with your finances, with what comes in? And people say, well, no. And I say, well, God's never going to bless you if if you don't trust him with it. He's never going to take care of you. He's never going to honor that. And the other thing is people say, well, I just can't afford to. Guys, here's where I'm going to get rude. If you can afford to talk on a $1,000 cell phone, if you can afford to drive a $20,000 car, if you can afford to have a $2,000, or I'm sorry, $200 a month cable bill and and internet bill and, and all this stuff, if you can afford to do all those things, but we can't give to the mission of advancing the gospel, if we can't give to having people fed in other countries, there's a problem with our heart. I don't care any way you slice it. Any way you slice it, there's a problem with our heart. Let me tell you what your financial giving does. I leave tonight to go to New England to visit three churches that we financially support. When I say we, I mean literally you guys. If you give to this church, it goes to them, a portion of that. Now, the churches we work with are in Manchester, New Hampshire, which is the heroin capital of the United States. It's a city smaller than Murfreesboro, and last year when I was there, in May, they had already had 300 heroin overdoses in a city smaller than ours. It's the heroin capital of the, of the country. We will go from there. I will go to Burlington, which is one of the most liberal, and it is the least churched city in the United States. And then we will go from there to Salem, which is the head of the satanic church. 
because this church financially supports those churches, all three of those churches in those cities that are extreme, they're two to three percent churched. All three of those churches have grown by about 25% since this church has gotten involved financially and since we've gone up there and just worked with them on, on leadership and stuff. That's what we're gonna go do. That's what it does. It doesn't just affect our city. It affects cities where Christianity is not catching on yet. It affects people in, we have people who go to Uganda every year and train 400 pastors to spread the gospel over the continent of Africa. Your money goes to that. It's not just what we do here. I'm not gonna get a raise if any of you start tithing to this church. My, my salary's not gonna change. None of us are gonna drive any different cars or anything like that. It's gonna go towards the mission and vision of Christ. Our city will be blessed, our nation will be blessed, our world will be blessed, and you will be blessed. So, here's the thing. We have to ask ourselves when we become Christians, is being a Christian about my comforts or is it about his kingdom? Is it about what I can get out of this or is it about what I can sacrifice so others can know what I know? Here's the thing. We are invited, listen to this, we are invited to be a part of people's lives being changed and their souls being saved. It's worth cutting the cable bill. It's worth making the sacrifice. It's worth getting up a little bit early so you can pray. It's worth making sure that you're here every single weekend. It's worth getting involved into a small group. It's worth the sacrifice. It is worth it. Because if we will steward this life well, we will receive a reward that our brains can't even wrap itself around yet. If we will steward this time well, if we will steward this energy well, this money well, we will receive a reward that will just blow our minds. So, this is what we should do. And this is what the church, this is what the church should look like. So, uh, next week, I won't bother you anymore about this stuff. We'll be in Ruth. I won't bug you again until like September when we do another vision service. Then it'll feel like this again. But until then, uh, we'll get back to the word. But I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. I just want you to prayerfully consider this stuff. Okay? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, Lord, again, I love this church so much. God, this is a good church. This is an exceptional church. This is an exceptional people, God. Father, my prayer, God, is that, that in any one of these five things that maybe we've struggled in, God, in people, sometimes we just struggle in different things, Lord. But wherever we struggle, God, I pray that you just gently convict us and speak to our heart and encourage us, Lord, and and Lord, let, we just want to look more like you, God. We want to think like you and act like you and reach out like you. And, and Lord, I just pray that you bless us, God. Keep your hand on us, Lord. Touch all the churches we work with and touch all the different countries we do work in and touch our city, God, and touch the nonprofits in our city and the churches in our city and help your church to look like the bride that you want her to look like, God. Lord, we love you. We thank you, we praise you, Lord, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, there's people on the right and my left. If you need prayer for anything, there's communion all the way around you. Please make yourself at home. Thank you, guys.